Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Volunteer Country on Sports Illustrated Podcast. Podcasting here on Tuesday afternoon, approximately 1245 Central. I'm coming at you from Paris, Tennessee, my hometown, away from Knoxville after I came back home after the Tennessee baseball super regional loss, ultimately season-ending loss there on Sunday to Notre Dame. To put a abrupt end to a fantastic college baseball season from the Tennessee Volunteers. You know, we know all the history they made, all the great things they did, but it comes to an end before they can even get to Omaha, a shocker, you know, around the college baseball world and definitely to people who have closely followed and kept up with Tennessee. And it's just, it's really hard to believe that this happened, people. Um, you know, Tennessee baseball has done so much this year, and it's, it's almost as if everyone was just guaranteeing them a spot in Omaha, but you know, everyone learned the Tennessee. I don't think, I don't think Tennessee had that mindset to where they were already in Omaha just based off of, you know, how, how they portrayed themselves throughout the whole season, how they've talked after games, how Tony V has coached. I don't, I don't think they were, you know, counting their eggs before they hatched or anything like that, but you know, the Tennessee fan base definitely was. And, uh, and I think most people who cover Tennessee, you know, were, 100% banking on the Vols going to Omaha, um, if not definitely in the high 90 percentage. But but they, they don't do it. And uh, Notre Dame outplayed them all uh, overall this past weekend, I, I think. Um, you know, the first game, Blade Tidwell has one of his worst starts of the year. Obviously not sharp. Fastball not moving much. Um, Notre Dame found it quickly, and you know, they capitalized scoring eight runs in the – well, they didn't score all eight runs in the – against Blade Tidwell, their eight runs of the first four innings there. But, you know, all but three scored five in the first three against Tidwell. He gave up seven hits, five earned runs. Then Will Mabry comes on. You think maybe he can put together a great relief outing like he did in the regional. We know he was the hero of that Saturday game against Campbell. Um, oh, excuse me. No, it was the Sunday game against Georgia Tech that he was the hero. But, but he couldn't, and he gave up. Um, three runs there in the fourth to put Tennessee in a hole they hadn't been in um, really this season. Now, it was the largest deficit they'd had all season was seven runs. It was eight to one at one point during that game. They made it eight to two. Um, but, you know, even after that, they made it eight to two after four innings. That's how much they were down. But even after that, you could tell Tennessee wasn't themselves that night. Notre Dame was the better team. And, you know, they rode their lead. The Fighting Irish did all the way through. Um, Tennessee tried to put together some good innings there, but can never really bl blow it open like like we've seen them do in those innings. You know, have those monster innings to ultimately win games. Now they had two runs in the seventh, but in that ninth they couldn't complete the comeback, only scoring one run, and lost six to eight. But you know, as as weird as that was, which also featured a Drew Gilbert ejection, as we all know, and Frank Anderson. Uh, I don't think I have to get too much into that. Everyone knows what happened there. Um, if you haven't read the umpire report from that, I know it's kind of old news now, but go to the site and check it out. But, you know, that all happened. And you figured that was going to energize Tennessee, you know, not having their spark plug, something like that happening. We saw it with Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson's ejection in the Alabama series to come back the next day and, you know, clobber Alabama scoring 15 runs. So I think most people, myself included, saw a Tennessee win definitely coming on Saturday. There's no way they were going to, lose two straight to Notre Dame to end their season. And uh, they come out and blasted the Irish 12-4. to It was never really close. Chase Dolander was unbelievably good on the mound in a start. A great bounce-back performance from his poor regional 
start. And uh, Tennessee's bats did the rest. Uh, eight runs in the fifth inning, obviously, is, the, is what you look to. Um, and then three runs later in the top of the seventh. But, yeah, they were just unstoppable. Uh, Luke Lipsius, Evan Russell, Jordan Beck. It was a combined effort from everyone. Um, and there was some record sets uh, that record set that day, I should say, as uh, you know, Luke Lipsius's two home runs and Evan Russell's one put them each tied at 39 career blasts. But Luke Lipsius later set that record on Sunday by hitting a solo shot to earn himself 40 home runs for his career over Russell's 39. So just a little fun fact there. But, you know, Tennessee won handedly on Saturday, and the, the narrative was, was flipped for the weekend. Uh, it was back to, you know, even kill. Um, Tennessee had the momentum. You had – I know I was confident in the balls going into Sunday. Pretty sure everyone else was too. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame faithfuls were pessimistic about an Irish win on Sunday, um, especially going up against the best team in college baseball this season by a long shot. And, you know, you just got, you just got beat by eight runs. It's uh, it's it's gonna be tough to to come out on Sunday and and knock off this Tennessee squad to get to Omaha, but the Irish did just that. Um, they they shocked Tennessee on Sunday, quite frankly. Um, it, it was a weird game. It was kind of a defensive struggle for the most part. A good pitching duel, you could say, with Notre Dame's bullpen versus Chase Burns. Notre Dame starter didn't go too long. Um, let's see how long did he go? Um, I don't even think he got yeah, uh, an inning and a third. So or inning and two-thirds, excuse me. He didn't even get out of the second inning. So, you know, Liam Simon, their starter, didn't go too long there. But Alex Rayo was pretty good in relief. Um, did give up a run, but, you know, Simon, the starter, gave up two runs. So, Rayo was a nice – he kind of settled the game, you could say. And then they turned the ball over to Jack Finley there in the fifth. Um, and he just – he dealt people. He dealt for the rest of the game. He was he was the MVP on the field the whole the whole – the whole game. Um, Chase Burns was great through six, but, you know, in the seventh inning, he just – he ran out of gas, and that is where the hottest topic of Sunday's loss for Tennessee really comes into play there is the decision-making from Tony Vitello with Chase Burns in the seventh. First off, you could argue Chase Burns shouldn't have come out in the seventh, but you got to look at it. He had been dealing through six. He had only thrown 73 pitches, I believe, through six innings. I mean, taking control of the game – he was leading the Vols. He was at that point the best player on the field so far in so far in the game. Um, so I don't disagree with the decision to give the ball to Chase to start the seventh. But he gives up a leadoff ground rule double to Carter Putts. You know he's he's about to face the heart of Notre Dame's lineup. So that's a that's another thing. But our and it wasn't a leadoff. It was a one out ground rule double. Excuse me for Carter Putts. So you got one on second and uh, and one out. So you keep. You keep Burns on, and then he gets their best hitter to pop up. So now you gotta ha- you gotta have a little bit of confidence. Two outs, runner on second. Okay, just got just retired their best hitter. You know, let him let him finish out the inning. Which you can argue, Vitello should have pulled Chase Burns before Ziska, the the four hole hitter, the cleanup hitter for Notre Dame. He had been an absolute unit all weekend, just giving Tennessee's arms so many fits. Um, but, but he had, he had retired, he had been retired by Chase Burns. So, you know, David Lamana comes up the five hole guy catcher, not a, not a very good long ball hitter at all. Only one home run in the season up to that point. Um, could, you know, can get on base has a pretty good batting average, but not a serious threat 
in the Notre Dame lineup. And, uh, and the Vitella's decision to keep Chase Burns backfires in a major way as Lamana goes oppo into the Tennessee bullpen to tie the game, two run shots, score himself and putts. Um, right there, I don't know how you don't ch- take Chase Burns out. You saw him give up the ground roll double. Even that, it, it was really hard hit, you could tell. Um, for Drew Gilbert to have a ball sail over his head is really abnormal considering his speed. Um, and putts did just that. I thought it may have left the yard, but it didn't. Um, so, so that was your little first red alert. Then, then Ziska pops up. You're like, okay, come on, Burns, get the final out. But then he gives up the two run home run. Okay, uh, my decision didn't work. You know, thinking of if you're Tony Vitello, my decision didn't work. Tie game. Let's get Burns out of here. Let's put Sewell in or whoever. And with Notre Dame's lineup at that point being predominantly right-handed hitters, I think Sewell would have been the right person to go to rather than Kirby or an early Redmond appearance. I don't, I don't think that was even in Tony's mind. But, but yeah, Sewell was the right call. But, no, he leaves Burns in for another batter, six-hole guy Jack Brannigan, third baseman. One of not, – not necessarily a top Notre Dame bat, but definitely not a bad one. He had had a pretty good weekend. Um, and then Jack Brannigan, you know, fouls a homer. Pulls it too a little too much, um, and then he gets a hole of one to left center to give Notre Dame the lead uh, solo shot. So, so now you're down one. Now Tennessee's down one, and they go to the pin. Tony goes to the pin to bring in Camden Sewell, and Sewell gets the final out of the inning. So, four to three, damage isn't too much to overcome, obviously, but you got to think that Chase Burns went a little long here, faced just. One too many batters, maybe two too many batters, maybe three too many batters. You can argue he should have been pulled before Ziska. But regardless, Tennessee was only trailing one. And we know, everyone knows that only trailing one is kind of working in Tennessee's favor, considering how much they can explode and how often they have done so. But Finley kept dealing, retired him in order, the bottom of the seventh. We go into the eighth. Camden Sewell still on the mound. And then a leadoff hit by pitch on, in my opinion, I don't think it was a hit by pitch. I didn't have the best view in the stadium. Um, but just hearing from what other people have watched on the broadcast as well, and my own personal opinion with my own eyes, I did not think Brooks Coetzee was hit by the pitch. I thought it was close. It was definitely inside. But he checked swing, you know, argued that it hit his, hit his forearm. But I, I didn't think – and. I don't know what Camden Sewell – he Camden Sewell went to the home plate umpire to argue. You know, It looks like he's just arguing it didn't hit him. But if it did, you could argue it was it was uh, interference by the batter there because he did check swing, he did move, but I don't think he was quite in the box yet. I don't think he was quite in the zone. And um, so Coetzee gets on, leadoff runner on first. Not always <laughs> – never really a good thing when you're trailing. Um, sack bunt. Moves Coetzee to second, um, runner in scoring position with one out. And, uh, and then the error happens from Trey Lipscomb there to put runners on first and second. Uh, uncharacteristic error from Trey Lipscomb there at third. Couldn't make the play. Looked like he was a little bit hesitant on the throw. I don't know if he was trying to pre- prevent Coetzee from going to third. Um, in my opinion, a runner on second with two outs is the same as a runner on third with two outs because there can be no sacrifice. So I don't know why Lipscomb just didn't no-brainer fire it to Lipsius at first to get Ryan Cole out on that grounder. But regardless, you know, that didn't happen. 
and uh, it was runners at first and second with still only one out. Um, and then Tony Vitello decides to pull Camden Sewell, which to me, I didn't understand. Camden Sewell had kind of gotten unlucky this inning with the hit by pitch and the air. Um, I didn't think he was doing necessarily bad. He still had, it wasn't like he was <laughs> in any way going to be, you know, spent for the weekend. I know he had thrown Friday, but I don't think he had thrown long at all. And he hadn't thrown long at all Sunday either at this point. So a little weird decision to bring Kirby in, but Kirby was fresh. He hadn't thrown all weekend. So we, we know how good Kirby has been recently out of the pen, no matter who he's faced. Can't necessarily argue that Kirby was the wrong guy, of course, but just the timing of Sewell's departure from the game was a little, little weird to me. Um, but Connell gets the gets a ground out to move runners to second and third. Big moment here. You know, gotta retire this guy. Gotta retire Carter Putts to get out of the inning and still only trail by one. But that doesn't happen. And this this is where the game was really decided, in my opinion. Um, you can argue it was decided in the seventh, but the mindset of going into the bottom of the eighth to the bottom of the ninth down one compared to down four is totally different. And Carter Putts hits the two run double to make it six to three. And uh, Cannell gives up a RBI single that scores putts to Jack Ziska. Um, Ziska tried to round first and reach second, but it was kind of caught in a pickle there. And that was the third out of the inning, but it didn't matter at that point, really, because Notre Dame had taken a four run lead up seven to three going into the bottom of the eight with Finley still on the mound, just dealing. You know, if Finley had pitched quite a lot uh, in the series going into this point in the game, but man, that freshman. Just nails. He was shoving, and uh, he he continued to do so. Um, did uh, did mess up on a, a little throw to first uh, with one out as Drew Gilbert just bunted right to him. Um, it was kind of like it reminded me like a a quarterback fumble, you know, wh- where they're not touched in the pocket. They just they just you know the ball just comes out of their hand when they rear back to throw it. That's kind of what happened to Finley. So Gilbert reached there with one out, um, but you know Gilbert went. Um, during Trey Lipscomb's at bat, um, tried to steal second, but was caught. Looked like he slid a little early, um, but it, it wasn't particularly close. The call wasn't. Lamana fired it to the second baseman, and, and then Gilbert was out for the second out. So just kind of a now that that just that just killed all the momentum Tennessee had in that inning, and then Trey Lipscomb flies out to end the inning. Tennessee can't get going at all in the eighth and. Now it's to the ninth. Redmond does a fine job in the top of the ninth. You know, his last appearance on the mound as a volunteer, then Tennessee can't get going in the bottom. Only had one base runner, which was Christian Moore, who was walked with one out, but Evan Russell grounds into a double play to end the game and the season. So, you know, Sunday to me was definitely the most intriguing game. It was the best baseball game in my eyes. Um, Saturday was fun. A lot of runs from Tennessee. Great Chase Dolander start. Probably the best pitching performance of the weekend right up there with Finley, those two. But Sunday was the closest game, and it, it involved the most – I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like it, it just really came down to strategy and decision-making to who was going to win, coaching. And uh, Tony Vitello didn't necessarily make the decisions to win the game, and, uh, and he admitted it. He, he would be the first to admit it. First thing he said in the press conference was, and I didn't put my guys in the position to win. I didn't put my guys in the position to get to Omaha today. And um, and he said, in general, really, the last three innings, he felt that way, starting with the Chase Burns 
thing and then what whatever what happened between Camden and Kirby in the eighth. So, so yeah, and Tennessee lost the game. Obviously, a de- depressing into the season, disappointing for that Tennessee baseball team that needed to be needed to go to Omaha because this is one of the greater seasons we've seen in college baseball and definitely among SEC teams in recent memory. Um, you know, you get bounced before Omaha and you still haven't don't even have 10 losses. Uh, I believe Tennessee is the first SEC team to have that happen to them since 1989. Um, with what I mean by that is getting eliminated before um, Omaha and not having 10 losses yet. So I, I can't speak for the rest of college baseball teams. I haven't dived that much into research yet, but you know, it's, it's definitely not, not common. It happens at all. Um, but anyway, Tennessee moves on. Tony Vitello is, is going to keep rolling. This program doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. Um, we know they just recruited a great shortstop out of Kansas, Maui Ahuna. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly, but, uh, he, he's a great addition. One of the, one of the best players in the portal and, uh, and Tony, Tony V got him Tennessee gets a much needed, I don't know necessarily much needed, but a, but a big piece in the infield because they're going to lose some guys. Um, and speaking of losing some guys, I've had, you know, multiple people ask me and it's it, it, other journalists have been asked on Twitter. It's, it's not just me. Everyone wants to know, you know, what's the roster turnover? Like what's who's leaving, who's coming back, who's gone, no matter what. Well, let's start with the three super seniors who are definitely gone no matter what because they have no more eligibility left, and that's Redmond Walsh, Evan Russell, and Luke Lipsius, um, three guys who have put together long-tenured careers at Tennessee, uh, definitely done some big things. All are in the record books. Um, Redmond Walsh tied with Todd Helton in career save count with 23. Uh, Luke Lipsius, like I mentioned earlier, set their program home run record. He has 40. Pretty fitting he has 40 for number 40. Uh, and then Evan Russell set the record for most games played. Um, I know the record was 229. Russell played his 230th game on Saturday against Campbell when he made that appearance late in the game. So he should have reached 231, 234 uh, as a volunteer during his time. So 234 games played for Evan Russell is the record now. Probably going to be a while before that gets broken. <laughs> and the uh, same goes for Luke Lipsius. And just side note, I know I tweeted this yesterday, so if you guys saw it, I saw it had some pretty good interaction. But Jordan Beck, man, uh, really two and a half seasons at Tennessee because his freshman year was cut short with COVID. But he hit 34 home runs in those two and a half years, 33 in the past two seasons. He would have smashed that record if he just plays his true senior season. And that would have only been in three and a half years. So... The amount of home runs he's hit in the last two years, pretty dang impressive. Um, he's definitely been one of the key pieces to Tennessee's nearly back-to-back Omaha appearances. Um, I, you know, you have to say that until the Super Regional, Tennessee had a much better year this year than they did last year, and that's obviously saying something. So Jordan Beck, part of two of the greatest Tennessee baseball seasons in program history, and uh, he made his impact known. He, he was a great right fielder, great arm, big arm, big league arm. And uh, he's, he's going to make himself a lot of money playing baseball in his lifetime. Should be around probably a first-round pick in the MLB draft. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun to sit, follow him and his journey 
Um, same thing with Drew Gilbert. Should be a first-round pick in the MLB draft. Blade Tidwell's first-round prospect. Those three guys, uh, all Blade Tidwell is 21, so he's, he's, he's allowed to leave after his sophomore season. Gilbert and Beck both finishing up their junior years and heading to the next stage in their careers. And then Trey Lipscomb, the other one that is you know, destined to be a pretty high draft pick second round about is I feel like is is going to be the favorite heading in uh, for Trey obviously put together a remarkable last season at Tennessee waited his turn great story great story for any college athlete who you know has to ride the bench for the first couple of years because you got guys ahead of you that are just better and uh, it's their time to shine and then it's your time to shine and you get one season well Trey could have had two seasons you know to shine but he did it in one hitting 22 home runs and I don't even know his RBI count, but uh, but it's high. It's <laughs> it's above 80. I know that. So he just had a great season with Tennessee, and you know one that one that scouts have <laughs> definitely noticed. And Trey's going to move on to the next stage in his career. 84 RBIs for Trey this past season. So great season on Rocky Top for Mr. Lipscomb. So those four guys are gone. The three super seniors I mentioned, and then you got a lot of maybes. You got a lot of maybes. Jarrell Ortega, maybe. He's, he's going to get drafted, but, you know, what does he decide to do? Does he decide to come back? Does he decide to go? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes in the draft as well. Kind of the same thing for Camden Sewell. Both of those are question marks. I'm no expert on the MLB draft, so I can't say, you know, confidently if they're going to get drafted or not, but I feel like Ortega has a pretty good shot after the season he put together. Um, he really became an elite defender down the stretch. So those two guys are maybes. Sewell would come back for his fifth year, so he'd kind of be in that super senior scenario. And then the other maybes, you know, you can get to Seth Stevenson, Cortland Lawson, Ben Joyce. Those guys have been on some mocks to go. But if I was a betting man, I would say that those guys come back. I, I just feel like... What Tennessee kind of falling short, you know, it's going to make those guys hungrier and really more. I think Seth definitely comes back because he he provided such a he he carved out such a niche role in this team as the leadoff guy and the left fielder. You know, he, he, such a good outfielder and you know really I think developed as a fine leadoff guy as the season went on. He 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 got some. Uh, there were people dissing on Seth Stevenson there for a while, and you know. Rightfully so. He he wasn't performing at his best, but he he's not a he's not a long ball hitter like the other guys. So it, it's kind of a change of pace, Seth Stevenson is. You know, he draws walks, he gets on base, had a couple of leadoff single leadoff hit base hits this past weekend in the in the biggest stages. Uh he came up big twice on on Sunday early on in the game. So, you know, I, I think those guys will be back. Obviously, I'm no expert, but yeah, and I think it'd be who Ben Joyce to give a college baseball another year, um, just to let that arm fully develop and for him to really take control of those other pitches in addition to his ultimate heater of fastball. So, so those guys are all the maybes. I feel like um, Will Mabry and Kirby Cannell should be back, um, those bullpen guys, but we'll, we'll have to see. There's so many question marks, and you know, the transfer portal is. Who knows what's going to happen there? There's a couple of Juco guys coming in. Colby Backus, obviously a name that comes to mind. Uh, followed him pretty closely at Walter State Community College. Um, he was he was a pretty dang good outfielder and a great, great bat 
So he should see plenty of at-bats for Tennessee next season, if not start in the outfield. Just depends on how all that shakes out. Also got Kyle Booker. Can he take another step? Does he come back to Tennessee? Um, Christian Scott, it's a little bit of a different situation. I don't see how Christian Scott could find his way in the lineup, even even how good of a even with how good of an outfielder he is. You know, he's right up there with Drew Gilbert as one of the best outfielders Tennessee had this past season. We've seen the plays he can make. That one midweek diving catch in center, and then everyone remembers the Florida uh, catch where he robbed that home run for the final out of the day for Tennessee to sweep the Gators. Um, what a thrilling game that was. But, yeah, so so I, I don't know if he's in a Tennessee uniform next year. May transfer somewhere to finish out his career and try to improve his draft stock. You got Kyle Booker, you got Colby Backus, you got other guys. Um, I, I don't think Tennessee should have too much issues at all filling spots. I think it'll be ultra competitive you know, in the fall and in the winter next year of who gets these spots. Um, there are quite a bit of spots to fill, but I, I feel like there'll be a ton of talent available. And then, and then in the infield, you know, your first baseman is going to be Blake Burke. Uh, in my opinion, dark horse to, uh, to be SEC player of the year in 2023. The amount of, you know, it, the, the rate he hit home runs is just you know, astronomical. So he had an incredible, freshman season at the plate so let's see how he can do as a first baseman next year at Tennessee uh, and then you know you got the Kansas shortstop transfer can move Lawson around maybe if Ortega and Lawson's back that's huge two veteran guys who can who are lead infielders um, then at catcher you know with Evan gone that'll that's the one position Tennessee will have to probably focus on in the transfer portal gonna have to make a splash there because uh, Jared Dickey, I feel like, is is more of a natural outfielder, and uh, you'd want him in that role more. Even though he kind of came to Tennessee as a catcher, I, I think he I think he's a fine outfielder. So, hit, not saying he can't play catcher, but I just think that's a position that Tennessee is going to address in the in the off season. So that that's one I'm keeping close tabs on. Jared Dickey could be the catcher next year, and that'd probably work out fine. But you know that that's one to pay attention to, and then. At on the mound, you're returning, you're starting rotation for the majority of your history making year, historical year with Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, and Drew Beam. You now, let's not forget about Drew Beam. I know he didn't throw in the supers and you know, wasn't himself or wasn't the Drew Beam we saw earlier in the season as, as the season went down the stretch, but you know, he, he was SEC freshman of the year. So he, he still got a lot of talent. He's going to grow, he's going to get better. And you know, he didn't throw for, he didn't pitch for two years before coming to Tennessee. So this was his first year really getting back in the groove of things. Can't imagine the heights he's going to reach next year, along with Chase Dolander. You know, probably, I don't know, he surefire, you know, round one draft pick in 2023 already probably. So, you know, barring injury, Chase Dolander is going to put together another incredible season more than likely. Chase Burns is going to grow. Tennessee's in good hands for a starting rotation on the mound. And, you know, like I said, they can bring in more guys, more freshmen. Who knows what Tony Vitello is going to do after this remarkable season he's put together on the recruiting trail. So, so a lot of positives going into next year. My eyes for Tennessee baseball. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, but, but right now it's a, it's a lot of pain for for the fan base and for those balls. But, uh, but nonetheless, a, a season to look back to and enjoy a lot of good moments. I tweeted out yesterday. You know, what was your favorite moment from the season? And, uh, and Quite a bit of 
you guys interacted with it, which I obviously appreciate, but, you know, ranging from that Christian Scott catch in the Florida series to Christian Moore, uh, you know, basically winning that game in, in Florida as well at the plate. And, you know, to Drew Gilbert's multiple home runs and bat flips to, to Jordan Beck, you know, the Mike Honcho bit in Vanderbilt and, you know, what he did against Campbell. So, or against Georgia Tech, excuse me, and, and the Campbell comeback. There's so many things to look at. I even had someone talk about the Georgia Southern series, you know, getting bundled up to, to come to, to that Friday night game after class. I know I did the same thing. I was just covering um, in the tent. So, so there, there was a lot of good moments in Tennessee baseball. Um, obviously, the Alabama series, you know, if, you, if you're into that type of stuff, the, the Tony Vitello ejection was, was, was funny, to be honest. It was funny. And uh, with, the, with the chest bump and then them coming out and just waxing Alabama in the Sunday game gave everybody in Lindsey Nelson Stadium a treat that day. So a lot of fun moments to look to. And, uh, and yeah, Tennessee's just going to keep on chugging. And, you know, if you guys haven't, I recommend, if, if you're still sour about this Tennessee loss, uh, something that'll cheer you up is going to look at all these players' messages on Twitter, on Instagram. It, nearly everyone I've seen has released a message thanking the fan base, talking about how great of a season it was, and ranging from Blake Burke to, to Redmond Walsh, whatever you want to call it, or whoever you want to look up. So there's a lot of messages there. And, um, and the, the, these guys really did, really were brothers, and you could tell it, um, obviously, an upsetting into the season, but, but what a remarkable one at that. And it's, it's going to be one to remember for Tennessee baseball, for the Tennessee baseball program. And, you know, it's, uh, they've established themselves as an elite program in the nation, one of the best on campus, uh, right up there with everyone else growing on campus, it seems like, you know, from soccer to obviously what Hypo is building with football. Men's basketball just won their first SEC tournament in over 40 years. Um, the, you know, women's basketball is always going to be up there. So Tennessee had the best winning percentage amongst all sports of any SEC team this past season, this past school year. So Tennessee is on the rise, people. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to cover, that's for sure. But, uh, but no more Tennessee baseball and uh, no heading to Omaha. But, but a good season it was. I do want to thank you guys for following along with Volunteer Country and myself, Jack Foster, for all of your Tennessee baseball needs this past season. Uh, I can't wait to get back to it next season and bring you guys even more and better coverage. You know, hopefully attend to some away series this time around next season. Uh, but it, but it was a blast this season, man. And uh, I appreciate all you guys for following along, whether it be the live updates, post game stories, you know, anything. There, there was a lot to to sift through, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to to follow along. So, um. Yeah, that'll, that'll wrap up this podcast. Uh, just a little bit of a Tennessee baseball super regional recap. Just my general thoughts on, 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 that, on that series there against the Irish. Uh, but I appreciate you guys listening. Matt Ray and I will be here tomorrow about, for uh, our Wednesday mailbag. It's been a lot of fun these past two weeks. Uh, I'll tweet out on the, on the account soon um, for you guys to put some questions in, a, in the thread. And you can also just DM us at Jack Foster TV, beer two on SI matt underscore ray underscore any of those three accounts dm questions you have about football about anything you know i i'll, I'll answer questions about about any sport you guys want to know about so there's a lot going on in rocky top still july one of the slower months of the year but hey football season's right around the corner and uh and there's a lot to talk about which we're going to get into but 
for now, baseball's over. And um, yeah, this will be the last baseball podcast for a while. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you know, it's just it was just me today. Uh, a little bit of a change of pace here. First time doing this, but uh, appreciate you guys listening. And Matt Ray and I will be on here tomorrow on the Volunteer Country on Inside Podcast to do a Wednesday mailbag. Be sure and uh, be sure and keep a watch out for that. For myself, Jack Foster, thank you guys for listening today, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.